the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Number one, we're members of one body. It says, let the peace of God rule umpire in your heart. And it says, which also you were called in one body. That we are all one body. That you're called into one body. Each one of us needs people in our life that we can talk with. That we can talk to. That we can get input from. That God didn't want us to be an island. And how important for us to be together. It was interesting this morning. I was talking to Grandma Mac because I was telling her that in our house I had to do some painting. And so I was painting. And she said, I'm painting too. And I said, really? She said, I'm painting some of the eaves up in our house. And I said, are you on a ladder? She said, oh, no, no. I, we made a scaffolding. We? And she said, yes. Lincoln and I, we made the scaffolding. And we both go up on this scaffolding together in case one of us has a problem. So we're both up there to catch one another when we fall. And I just got thinking about how would you catch each other if you would fall but they're both in it together helping one another accomplish a greater goal what helps us to have the peace of God is to realize that we need one another and we need to love one another to accept one another to give ourselves time to grow with one another it's all important to be together the other thing it says here we have God's calling in our life now notice very carefully it doesn't say to which also you were called into one body. It's not talking about God making you a part of his family. Now what he's saying is you're already a part of his family, but in his family he's going to call you. Now here's my question to you. You know at times if you're trying to walk with the Lord and you're trying to please him, that if you're about to make a decision in your life, if it's away from God's calling in your life, immediately what will be removed from your life will be a supernatural element of God's peace. Because all of a sudden he's called you to do something, He's calling you maybe not to do something. And when you're going to run out of bounds, when you are now going to commit a foul, the Holy Spirit will give you and take from you peace. He'll give you the peace when you're playing by the rules. He'll remove that peace when you're not playing by the rules. And so the peace of God is there to be an umpire in your life to remind you of these things. That's why it's important to be critical, to be very close to the Lord and how important that is. But then finally, it says also to be thankful, to be thankful. Now, I don't know how much affliction any of you have gone through in your life, but in my mind, as I read biographies, one of my more favorite afflicted people that has suffered a great deal was a lady by the name of Corrie Ten Boom. She was the, the lady who had taken in Jewish people to hide them from the Nazis that were trying to exterminate Jews in Germany at the time. But eventually she was caught, she and her sister, family, etc. And she was put into a concentration camp. Eventually she died. And uh, not in the camp, but she had a horrible experience there. But she did die, but she used her testimony. Before she died, she talked about the things that she could put up with in the concentration camp. The death, the smell of death, the pain, the crying, the loneliness, the bad food, the stench, the pain, all that she went through. But in her biography, she said the one thing she had the hardest thing to be able to put up with is this. It was lice, L-I-C-E. Those little lice. She hated those lice. 
And she said that God put those lice into her life for the reason to develop a spirit of still being thankful even for the little problems that she has so that she could be grateful in all things and for all things. And I took the word lice here and I thought, L-I-C-E, how could I make something out of that? And so I put down, Lord in control everywhere. The way I can be thankful for those tough things in my life, the lice that might come into my life, is to realize that the Lord is in control everywhere I go. So those of you that go on a trip and your luggage is lost, the Lord is still there. When you go through a problem, the Lord is there. Or maybe another way to look at it is this way. The Lord is in control eternally. He never steps off his throne. He is always there. He has your best interest in mind. He wants you to be all you can be. For that way, you'll, he will receive the most glory and the best glory from you. So the Lord is always in control. So keep that in mind, the rule and the peace of God that you can have in your life. Let's look at number three. Besides being able to experience the love of Christ and the peace of God, we're also to be indwelt with the word of Christ. And that's a very critical point, and I want to park on that for a moment because God wants us to be such people of His Word. Now, it's important for us to read His Word. It's important for us to listen to His Word. It's important for us to study His Word. But He also wants us to memorize it and meditate and to apply His Word. This book right here should be the most important book in our entire library. This book right here should be um, perhaps even more profitable to us than our daily bread this becomes the, the richest because with this book and the knowledge of it and proper application of it will give us all that we really need to be able to function and succeed and thrive in this life. And that's why he says here, let's look at the verse. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And then it tells us what to do. So he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I like that word because it doesn't say just dwell in you. It says, let it dwell richly in you. Sometimes when we have a fellowship, some of you ladies, you go crazy on our desserts, and I love it. Some of you make these chocolate, and I think it's double-double chocolate, and then you get double-double-double chocolate on the icing. I think some people call it death by chocolate. And I mean, that, that cake is just, it is like one gigantic, huge Hershey bar. Or have you ever gone and got maybe a stone-cold ice cream place? You get this ice cream, and it's so rich, and you just, it's just, it's like it almost consumes you. It's like diabetes in a cup kind of a thing and you know what that's like well those maybe would be negative on the temple that God's given us our bodies but what's not negative is the richness of God's word and this book here is so rich now I know it's a bible pages and words and some of you will throw it down and, and toss a jacket on top of it from time to time you might not listen to it you might just use it as a doorstop but I want you to know that while you're doing that to a book that has God's word in it please remember that there is no more profound wisdom that's found in God's Word. In fact, the Word of God is alive and is living, that it can crush us as well as it can build us up again. And so that's why we want to richly be in God's Word. Now, it talks about a couple things here. If we are allowing God's Word to be richly in us, here's what it will do. Look at this. First of all, it will help us to teach others. So it says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you and all teaching and admonishing one another. So if you have God's word, then you'll be teaching one another. Now, listen, folks, please listen to what I'm about to say. Here's what I find first off. The serious students of the word, those that really want to know the book right here, those that are really serious about knowing, I have not, and it's my opinion, but I have not found those kinds of people not wanting to share it with others. Now, that doesn't mean that they want an empty room and they're going to fill it full of students. But it does mean when they learn a new truth, 
And God's word has had such an impact on their thinking and their behavior that they want to share God's word with someone. They want to give out God's word. It's so real with them. That's why some of us that maybe teach at times, we're not really prepared. We're real nervous about getting in front of our class. And maybe some of you, you're worried about preaching because you're not really prepared because you haven't been in his word. But boy, when you're really prepared, you sometimes preach too long. Anyway, let me leave that alone. Sometimes people preach too long because they haven't prepared, so they keep saying the thing over and over again. But again, those are in God's word. They want to teach other people. It doesn't mean you have to be formal in it, but it does mean I got truth and I can't contain it. In fact, I got to give it out. It's burning within me. But that's not all. It's not just giving information. The second thing you'll know when the word of God is inside of you, it tells us to do this. Admonish one another. In other words, now we know that the value is in God's word. We know that God values that other person. If that person does not know Christ as Savior, then we immediately know he needs to know God's word on how to be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. So we want to admonish him. He's a sinner in need of a Savior. And whatever else he's trusted to get to heaven, it won't get there because it's not by work. So we're not teaching God's word. We're also admonishing and warning him if he rejects God's word. The consequence is horrific. It's eternity in hell separated from God. But also when we're in God's word, we want to admonish other people that are Christians. We see them walking a little differently. Not that we're judging them, but because we know a little bit more truth, we want them to walk a little bit straighter with God. And so to help them, we're richly abiding in God's word and we want to help them know the truth. And so I would like to encourage you that you would richly be in God's word. If you are going to put on new clothes, then why don't you clothe yourself in God's word. You'll be a person who not only shares it with your lips, but we share it with our life. And that's what God wants us to do. So when God's word dwells in you, you have something worth saying. Would you fill in that blank there for a moment? You'll have something worth saying. A lot of people have a lot of stuff to say, but things that are most important to say are the things that last for eternity. And I say that that goes to your mind. It helps you in your thinking. You'll have something to say. Saying goes to the mind. You'll speak, you'll teach, you'll preach. You'll say things that'll change a life. So it's going to speak to the minds. But also, you have something worth singing about. If you'll notice, the rest of the verse says, singing to one another, or teaching, admonishing one another, and psalms and hymns and spirituals, singing grace in your hearts to the Lord. So again, you'll be singing. And singing goes to the heart often. And it'll help affect you. Let me give you another thought for a moment here. Something for you to cogitate on or think about it's not unlikely that from time to time you will be called to visit another church we have a couple that are visiting a church another church now because he's in a class a bible class and they want him to evaluate a couple churches so he'll go to another church some of you may be invited to visit another church with a family member maybe on special day over there some of you on vacation i pray that even on sunday that you try to gather with other believers for a time of listening to the word and then worshiping god but when you do, you may find that at that church that their music, let's just talk about music because that's the singing, the hymns, the spiritual songs, etc., will be different than what we do here or maybe even different than what you would prefer to be here. But when you see that going on, here's some things that, that might help you. What you might do, you might not know the melody, you might not know the song, you might not know what they're doing, but most churches today will either provide a hymn book, less churches do that, but the other churches will put it up on screen like we often do here. Now, while you're out there where you can't follow along with the music and you're not sure about it and it's way too wild for you, maybe, 
What you could do because you're a person who's mature now, you're maturing. You're learning not to judge, discern, evaluate, true, but not to judge. And so you're saying, Lord, I know you can get glory out of anything and I want to receive all that I can. So what I'm going to do, Lord, is whoever wrote the song or whoever selected that song that someone wrote, it's up on the screen. Is there a phrase in that song that could change my thinking? Is there something in that song that remind me of something that I've learned before? Is there something in there that would bring out from within me what I believe is authentic worship to you? So use those as memory pegs or use those as prompters to help you focus and worship on the Lord so that all of you can, from within, begin to sing and praise Him. And maybe some of you would rewrite some of those songs. Who knows? Maybe some of you are so talented that you could take and write your songs, biblical songs, songs that are accurate, and put some melody to it. And who knows? You could be another hymn writer. You could be another praise songwriter. But it only will come, the best ones are, those that are deeply embedded in the richness of God's Word. Well, let's look at number four now. Number four, obviously, we want to have the love of Christ. We want to be ruled by the peace of of God and we want to be indwelt by the word of Christ but we also want to do everything in the name of Christ would you read verse 17 out loud with me everyone together would you read it out loud with me and whatever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him so whatever you do you do it in the name of the Lord and whatever you say you say it in the name of the Lord, because it's all done for Him and about Him. Now, what does that mean? That means when you're putting gas in your car, you're doing it in the name of the Lord. When you are paying for groceries, you do it in the name of the Lord. Young people, when you are out in a competition, you're doing it in the name of the Lord for His glory. And I'll explain what that means in a moment. Whatever you do, whatever you do, that means you're worshiping the Lord 24-7. So we bring our worship here publicly, corporately together, singing. That's a part of our worship, but it's also this part. Giving is a part of our worship. Our aloha time, when we give you information, that's part of worshiping together, knowing what God is doing and what He has done and what we're trusting Him to do in the future. So it's all about God. It's centered about Him. Whatever we do, in the name of Jesus. Now, what does it basically mean to do it in the name of Jesus? That's a, that's a hard little concept to kind of grab, grab a hold of. Well, let's talk about the name for a moment. Today, when we look at names, they don't often take on the same depth of significance as they did during the Bible days. Bible day names often had a tremendous amount of significance. Now, there are some cultures that had some significance. The Native American culture has various names and what they mean. I'm sure some of the other tribes might have that. We also know here in Hawaii, different names mean certain things and how they do that, and that's important. But in the Bible days, it was very, very significant. Today, it's probably maybe a little bit more like what... what like my name is Stanley. How in the, what, who in the world would ever name a kid Stanley? Now think about that for a moment. Every person who can do anything right is always Stanley. Look at all the weirdos, the criminals, the, the nuts and movies. And they're all named Stanley, all right? Now, Stan Leho, my brother back here in name, okay? We pray every day. But our name is Stanley, all right? So much so that I often say, my name is Stan. I'm trying to get away from Stanley because everybody loves Stanley. What a weird name. Like, How did I get a name like that? Forget about what it means, okay? It means lone wolf. But leave that alone. I got that name because I have a grandfather by that name. My middle name is Rudolph. And I have another grandfather and father named Rudolph. So how a name was given to me was basically because it was important to my mom and dad to carry on the first names of the kids. Now, here's what's really interesting. When we got married, my dad went up to Carol and said, when you have children, 
will you please name your first child Rudolph? Now you ask Carol what she did when you see her after the service. She answered it very graciously. But I'm coming back to this. That's how we often name our kids today. But in the Bible days, the name of Jesus Christ, Jehovah, Yahshua, God who saves, God who keeps, God who defends, means something. And I'd like to wrap it up with three words you could write in your margin. So when you think about the name of the Lord and when you think about doing it in His name, think about three dynamics of His name. All right? One dynamic is going to be His purpose. When you talk about the name of Jesus, Jehovah, Yasha, Savior, take it to the Old Testament, the aspect of God rescuing, all right? That's His name. And so when I do it in the name of the Lord, I do it to the person who is the rescuer, the Savior, the one who will make things right, the one who will take care of me, so to speak. So I'm going to do it in His name, that I have a God up there that's full of grace and mercy. So you take that whole concept of what was the purpose of Christ, was to come to this earth, to die for our sins, to rise again from the dead, and to be our Lord of lords and our King of kings, and to be the one who is the director and controller and the influencer from eternity to eternity. And so when I do it in His name, I do it in a name that has great purpose. The second is going to be in power. His name came with power. You're saved. You're saved from eternity in hell. You're given eternity in heaven. A whole new life because of the power of Jesus who died and He rose again from the dead, the victory over death. That's tremendous power. And you're made new by His power. So when you do it in the name of Him, you're doing it in His name of power. And you realize again, He is in control because He has the right to be in control, but He also has the ability to be in control. And here's the third one. And that's the word promise. And I like to word, throw that word promise in there because God is a God who can never lie. God is a God who not only makes a promise, He keeps a promise. He promises that if you do this, you'll be cert certain things will happen to you in a positive way. If you don't do these things, certain things will happen to you in a negative way. God always keeps His word. We know that by His promise, we have, here's the phrase, stability. We can always count on God that He is never changing. So whatever I say... Or whatever I do, and I do it in the name of the Lord, I'm doing it based upon His purpose, His promise, and His power. And now it gives me a whole new reason for what I do. Now, pause for a moment. The next time you do something, ask yourself, can I really do this in the name of Jesus? Now, I can name a whole lot of stuff. Anything from outside stuff we do in our bodies that mess up our bodies, from drinking or smoking, etc. Can you smoke a cigarette and say, Lord, this is to the glory of God, and write it right on the cigarette as it's burning and you're smoking it. Can you really do that? Or something more deeply inside of you, immoral thoughts that you might have, greed that you might have, lack of forgiveness, bitterness that you have. Does any, can you say, I'm bitter, but I'm doing it in the name of Jesus? Can we ever say that? No, we can't. So what happens in our life, we now have a new governor because we've chosen, because we're a new person with a new set of clothes on us, to say that whatever we do, Lord, we're doing it in your name. And when we say we're doing it in your name, if I can't do it in his name, then I should not do it. Do I hear an amen on that? If I can't say this in his name as if he himself would be saying this, then should I say it? No, I shouldn't. And so whatever I do, I want to do it in the name of Jesus Christ. And boy, that takes everything we do from picking weeds to chopping wood to painting to cleaning our car to changing diapers. We can all do this because we love and glorify the Lord. Look at the last point there you might want to put down. This idea is everything I do, I worship you. In everything I do, I worship you. Well, let's see if there's a truth that you can apply. What are you going to do about what you've heard today? Here's some things you might want to write down. 
Write down the name of one person towards whom you will act in the love of Christ. Is it a family member that you need to love a little bit that's going through some tough times? A friend, a foe, or someone that's uh, maybe in this fellowship here at this church? Is there one decision where you need the rule of the peace of God? A decision you have to make, and you don't want to make that because you have anxiety. How about number three? Write down one believer with whom you can share the word of Christ. Someone you can give the word of God to. Someone you can teach. Disciple. Write down one place where you'll begin acting in the name of Christ. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's how you spend your day off. Or maybe at your kid's game the next time. And then number five. Write down one unchurched or one unsaved person with whom you can share the gospel. I'll tell you, the thing that I'm most concerned about is that our church will forget about the importance of us being, at the same time, intentional in our witness for Christ and our getting out the gospel. Well, this is great news about all this and that we sure don't want to be alone. We want to share it with others. And so I pray that we do. We remember that God is at work in us. He's taken us from this old piece of wood over here. And we're still on his lathe, I know. And he's turning us into a bowl here. I, 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 frankly, John... I don't think there's anything else you can do with this bowl right here. It is fully completed. It is fully what we might say mature. It's everything that I could ever want in a bowl right here, and I will truly treasure that. But the difference, again, between the bowl and you and me is we still are a work in progress. We're still taking off some of the old clothes, the grave clothes, and some of us are still now, by choice, in His grace and power for His glory, putting on the grace clothes. Let's pray, shall we? Bow your heads so this way maybe that you can uh, have a moment of quietness. But however, in whatever position you want to be in, the point is that you right now will be alone with God and that God has given you a divine opportunity to look over this message and to sense, Holy Spirit, you had me here. I know that the pastor prayed and thought about this message. You put it on his heart, put it together this way. And so, Lord, I know divine sovereignly you have something in here, something from the Word Something you want me to go back and check over. Maybe a new way to approach something. But Lord, help me. I have a new life in Christ and I want to live this new life, a new way for your glory. For those of you that are on your journey with God, maybe your prayer could be something like this. Lord, I'm still that, that old piece of wood, but I want to have my sins forgiven and I want to be sure of going to heaven when I die. So right now, Lord, I am surrendering myself to you and I'm saying, Lord, I am a sinner. I'm not going to have pride right now. I'm not going to come to you with all these promises. I'm just coming to you as a, as a broken person. I know I'm not perfect. I don't understand the whole Bible and I'm beginning to want more of you, but I want to know one thing. When I leave here today, will I be going to heaven? Now, my friend, if you are seriously desiring the Lord, He will reveal Himself to you through the Word. And He says this, He that believes on Me has everlasting life. Jesus Christ spoke that and it was written and recorded so that you could read it and hear it today. If you believe on Christ, you won't perish but have everlasting life. Now, the believing is an interesting thought. It's not where you believe like he's a historical figure, although he did come in history. He is a real person, but he is also a real God who did die and rise again from the dead. He is all God. Now what you have to do, the believing part, is not just accepting him intellectually, But it's you abandoning yourself totally to Him. You totally relying upon Him. You're not coming to Him with any good works. You're not coming to Him with a promise of a changed life. You're saying, Lord, here am I, a broken piece of wood, and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. Give me a home in heaven and a new life. And now God can begin to change you. Not to get to heaven, 
but now because you are, you're a king's kid. So would you simply say, Lord, I believe you died for me, but the best I know how, I'm going to trust you to give to me eternal life. And if you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you. Now, my prayers won't get you to heaven, but, but I want to pray for you because I want to welcome you. I want you to know you're not praying alone, that I'm there, and others are going to silently pray, although they can't see your hand. But we love you, and we are so excited about our relationship in Christ, and, and we're not stingy, and, and we're not a, a closed fellowship. We want you to enjoy that too. We want you to be certain of going to heaven. Let me know you're trusting Christ in here today. Never done it before. You're calling upon the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, he that believes on me has everlasting life. You're doing that now. You're trusting in him. All right. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you want to have this new life, but there's certain things in your life you just can't get over. I'm not here to be your judge. I'm here to be on your winning side, to be your greatest cheerleader, earthly cheerleader that I can be. And I'll help you, counsel you, point you in the right direction. I just want you to be all that God wants you to be. Father in heaven, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for those people in this wonderful fellowship who have come to a point in their life that they want a new life in you and they know that they now can have it because they trusted you as Savior and now they want to have a new lifestyle. And that new lifestyle is a wonderful lifestyle. And so, Father, they're going to put on the love of Christ and they're going to allow the peace of God to rule in their hearts. And, Father, they're so concerned that they would be all that you would have them to be in every area of their life. Father, they're going to let the Word of God indwell them richly. And then finally, Lord, they want to do everything to bring glory to you in your name, praising you with their life and their lips 24-7. Father, we pray this all in your name. Amen. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.